Hello and welcome to another installment of The Random Joe Show. Today we're doing a 38-minute impression on Road Not Taken by Spry Fox Games. Now, a 38-minute impression is my thoughts on a game from spending 38 minutes to an hour with it. The goal is to go through my backlog and play through the experiences I haven't tried yet and remember great games that I have tried. Road Not Taken was a game I was interested in close to its release because I was familiar with a mobile game made by that same developer, Spry Fox, a game called Triple Town. That was a, a puzzle game where you, you put certain objects into kind of a grid and when you put three objects that were similar next to each other, it, they would then move together and form a new object. So I liked that game. I played it quite a bit. And uh, Road Not Taken, when it came out on PS4, uh, it became a free game shortly thereafter, and I added it to my library. Now, the funny thing is that even though I was looking forward to playing it, um, I basically played maybe an hour of it and then put it away. Uh, I played about the same amount today. It's kind of funny. When I logged in, it took me right to the character that I had had previously, and I was almost the exact same place as I ended up today uh, in playing it. Now, um, I don't know that I'm going to continue it, and as we, I kind of get into explaining what the game is and, and what it does, you'll kind of see why. Uh, but let me give you some basics about the game, and I'll tell you what I liked, what I didn't like, and my overall impressions. Now first, Road Not Taken is a game where you're a magical character, you look kind of like a warlock or some other wizard, and you have a staff that's able to kind of force push objects. So when you stand next to them, you'll click the button and it'll grab a hold of them, and then you'll press the button again and it will thrust them in whatever direction you're looking. Imagine you're on like a grid, almost like a board, you know, six or seven spaces by six or seven spaces, and you've got to maneuver those objects around the board by picking them up and throwing them. Certain objects will interact with one another and they'll produce different results but you only get so many moves with your staff and running into enemies will lower the amount of moves that you can have and certain things that you do like if you eat honey or if you rescue a child you'll get more and uh, basically the the subject of the game story wise is that you have basically this town that you come to that's really good at losing children and their parents who have gone into the woods to look for them and the woods are a collection of these grids that are connected via little you know, holes at the top and bottom and sides. Think like The Legend of Zelda originally, except there's little slots that you can enter and move from level to level. And in order to keep those gates open, you have to sort objects and put certain ones together. For instance, you might have to put three trees of the same kind next to each other in that playable space in order to open the gate to allow you to go into the next area and there are certain times where you'll only have two trees on the map and you got to get a tree from one of the other areas and bring it over and then you'll be able um, to do it now the ultimate goal of each year is to enter the forest and reunite a certain amount of children lost there with their parents lots of different objects exist from deer to trees to magical bear statues to rocks to ninja bears flowers and even more each object has a different uh, set of properties that might interact when they're thrown, placed near something, placed away from something, from you know, an object that is interacting with a different object or one that just roams around the board. Now, it becomes your job to figure out how these things work. Take the raccoon, for instance. 
The raccoon starts off as this slumbering, happy, cute little raccoon. But as soon as something is either thrown at the raccoon or you pick up the raccoon and throw it, it becomes angry and rabid and then will chase you down and attack you. Uh, and it will basically just continue to do that. Or the deer, for instance, will always try to run away from you. And so what you may have to do is move some trees into a position where you can then corral the deer so that they, you can put two of them next to each other by kind of routing them into that area that they, that they can't get out of because they'll always try to escape from being next to you. So that's kind of, those are some examples for how those things work, but there's literally, I think there's a couple hundred objects in the game. So there really are tons of these interactions and many of the interactions are not told to you. For instance, if you place two cut logs next to each other, they will create a fire, uh, like a campfire. And then that campfire will affect all of the objects around it. So it's a very deep puzzle game. There are a lot of things going on. And frequently when you'll enter a tiled area, that area will not just have one or two objects. It may have up to you know, 10 different types of objects on that board. Sometimes the expectation is even that you're gonna take some of those things and either destroy them by walking through them. If, if they're a ghost, they'll do some damage to you. And, or, or if it's a rock, you might throw it into the area previous, like I mentioned before, and use one area as kind of like where you keep all the rest of the junk. You may even use things like, you know, you have, uh, you create a, 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 uh, an axe and use the axe to cut down some of the trees and then use the wood to make fire. And then you slowly are whittling down the number of things on the board, or there'll be objects like the will of the wisp or a spider that will come and try to attack and kill the children or lead them into the, into the woods. Or you might see a bunny that runs away from you and tries to go into the forest. So it really, there, there's so many different interactions with things. And the farther you get into the game, the more you realize that it's just, the way these things engage with one another is just crazy. I think the levels are procedurally generated, but I'm not entirely sure. I didn't get enough time with the game to know. Now I mentioned the idea of a year. Each year you have a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of children you're trying to reunite. Once you have reunited all the children or run out of energy, the year ends. And if you've at least saved half of the children, then the mayor will award you with some kind of a prize based on how many of the children you've been able to save. Any of the moves that you keep at the end of the year carry over to the next year. And there are other ways to increase the amount of moves that you start with or the ways that your moves engage. There are also, after each year, these uh, citizens of the town that are around that you can build relationships with, that you can utilize for all kinds of different purposes. And so it really does get kind of crazy as you go in and uh, the longer that you play, the more that you realize just how incredibly deep the game is. Um, it is really overwhelming, and it's really a game all about information. It's a game where you have to learn the interactions between things to solve the puzzles. And the way the puzzles are presented, there's a ton of different ways to solve them. And there's not really one individual way of like handling an issue, and the, the way that you solved a certain puzzle like I mentioned the bear statues. Well, the bear statues, if they're next to another object, they can't be picked up and thrown. And so they can only be picked up and thrown if they're by themselves or next to another bear. Um, that's an, a case where you've got to figure out how to maneuver those things. And what worked on the previous screen may not work on this screen, or they may end up being obstacles to doing something else with some other object. It really is uh, 
just it's crazy. It's, this puzzler is not messing around. It has a fairly cute and cartoonish aesthetic, cartoonish aesthetic, but it is not messing around. It, it is very dense. It is very complex. Even the fact that half of this podcast episode has now been me explaining what the game is should serve as a testament to how intricate this game is. And I really just scratched the surface. I played for an hour, and those are the things that I drew from it. There seems to be some kind of roguelike progression system in it uh, after those 15 years, because they basically tell you you're there for 15 years and then you'll retire. Theoretically, then, you would pass the mantle on to a new member. Either you would keep some of the information that you have gained or some of the, the relics that you've earned from the relationships that you've been able to amass with the characters. But I'm not entirely sure, and uh, I, I didn't get that far. Now, what did I like about the game? First, the premise is awesome. I love the idea of kind of a complex and dense puzzler in which your information matters. Now, I'm going to be going through a game probably soon called The Witness. And The Witness is one of the games I think that does this so well where what you learn really translates to your ability. It really enforces the idea of, of what you're able to accomplish. You don't gain new abilities in the same way that you do in other games where you just get a skill point, you get to have a new button press that does a certain thing or a certain combination becomes unlocked. Instead, you are learning things and learning things makes you stronger. It makes you capable. And really the game as a puzzler is dependent on your ability to figure it out. And the game will not, there's not one optimal solution. There are many. And and that's one thing that I think is is very interesting about this game and the premise is is very cool i also really like the depth of it it's very obviously deep and complex i also really like that they had this notebook that could help you to track the secrets and information that you learn and sometimes when you befriend a character they will whisper in your ear secrets that they know of different aspects of how different objects interact with one another some of that you'll discover by yourself. Some of it you'll discover completely by accident, and it's pretty cool. The other thing I liked is that it felt like my choices really mattered. Because of the way the puzzles are set up, you can easily get yourself in a situation where um, you can't solve it. And on the, on the positive aspect of it, it was good to know that like if I made a mistake, it mattered. And I couldn't go back and fix it. But that leads to the first aspect I disliked. Making mistakes couldn't be corrected. And I think that that's part of the point of the game. Even down to the, in the relationship system, I befriended one of the characters and there was another character I found sobbing in the woods in the next year who said, you're, you're really good friends with this person and I don't know that we can be friends anymore. And I think that there's a weight that the game is intending to accomplish so that the idea that making mistakes can't be corrected is part of the crucial design, but that left me not really liking it. There were a lot of times I just made errors or mistakes in the solutions, or I did something not knowing what the consequences would be. And for whatever reason, it, it didn't work for me in the same way. I, I think potentially because it, the game doesn't telegraph as well um, that you're going to make a mistake you can't fix. And some of that, I guess, is just that once again, the game is all about learning. The game's about information. And the fact that you can make those kinds of mistakes gives weight to the informational aspect of the game, but it was something that, that kind of 
pushed me away a little bit. The design is also a little bit claustrophobic. There are a lot of a lot of items on the screen and a lot of different things that can interact. And some of the beauty of the game is in all of the different interactions. There's a there's an an enjoyment to kind of figuring out what will work with what. But there are so many objects often on those maps that you could be trying things for a long time. And it ends up becoming optimal just to kind of like go with what seems best and that that cluttered feel where I felt like I couldn't move through the space because there were so many objects is part of what makes it difficult, but it also didn't, I don't know, it, it just didn't communicate well to me. One of the other things that I think I, I didn't really like a ton was that the complexity and the depth of the game that I've already mentioned as being a strength, for me, was fairly overwhelming. As I got into the game, I went from, wow, this is cool, look at all the awesome things you can do, to, holy cow, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea how I'm going to begin to learn these things. What do you mean this notebook has over a hundred objects I've got to learn? Oh, look at all the secrets on every one of these objects. I don't know any of them. And it left me feeling like I was never going to be able to, or at least the amount of effort that it was going to take to really even have all the information I needed to make decisions was an overwhelming level of complexity right away. That's not even to mention that, I, and I alluded to this briefly, there are these different, I don't know what to call them, relics or objects. You can hold two of them at a time and your house literally has like four rooms just with shelves and desks everywhere to drop and pick up these relics. I'm, I managed to get maybe 10 or 15 of them in my one hour playing, and I didn't even, I didn't know what to do with them. I just picked two that made the game easier for me. And about five levels in, I got to, there was a whole nother difficulty added, and then there was a time mode. There was so much going on in this game that it kind of turned me away, personally. Um, I also felt like the aesthetics, they seem like the game would be more simplistic, but this game is really weighty. And so for whatever reason, they didn't connect with me in the same way. So what are my overall thoughts? Well, they're very mixed. There were some very compelling moments. There were a lot of very interesting ideas that were brought about. Things that I haven't really seen kind of connected in the same way. And parts that I really like of other games. But there were so many things that I ended up feeling kind of bloated. And at the same time, confusing and frustrating. I didn't even know what was going on most of the time. It does seem like a really niche game, and for the proper audience, I could totally see this game being somebody's favorite, being something that they look at and say, man, I wish more people made games like this. This is the kind of game I've been waiting for. But it didn't leave me wanting more. I, I finished that hour, and it's kind of funny that I ended up almost exactly at the same spot, and I'm probably going to walk away again. Um... My hope, though, is that if you've listened to this, and if this is compelling to you, if you hear the aspects of this game, it's kind of like one part Animal Crossing and one part Tetris and one part, you know, puzzle games. And, and if that sounds intriguing to you, you may very well love this game. And I would definitely recommend checking it out. It's very capably made. But for me personally, the design does not communicate what I think it's intending to. And I, I'm I don't know if I'm just not the right audience. But uh, that was my 38-minute impression. Uh, keep an eye out for another one of these dropping later this week on Cameo, Elements of Power. 
And be sure to play along with me this week. I'm going to be playing Ratchet and Clank. And if, you, if you're new here, this is a video game book club where we play games together, usually in our backlog or games that are free this month on PlayStation or Xbox. And then we chat about and discuss those games, share our memories if we've played them before, or just you know experience them for the first time together. And then during the weekend, I do a show recapping people's feedback from Twitter and Discord. If you want to follow me on Twitter, my personal account is jrmeden, M-I-E-D-E-N, and the Random Joe Show account is just Random Joe Show, all one word. You can always send me uh, stuff on Twitter, or you can do it via our Discord. If you want an invite to our Discord, just send me a message, and I'm happy to get you connected with that. Episode 4 is going to be this Saturday, once again on Ratchet & Clank. If you're playing that game, be sure to leave your feedback, leave your comments. I'd love to include that on the show this weekend. Until next time, though, have fun gaming. And I'll see you then.